0: Happy Tuesday!
1: Hello everyone! It is April the 10th! Woohoo! <laughs> well, almost Yay. halfway through. Yay, we are. We're just barreling through. It's a beautiful day in Tulsa and sun. here we are.
0: Yeah, still have a little bit of chill in our air, so winters and spring are just kind of holding hands right now, so we, we don't really know fully which one to dress for. We don't. So we just kind of dress for both.
1: But right. a day like today is marvelous because the sun is shining, blue sky, and incredible work happening on the new building, yes. which on the outside looks like it's totally done. On the inside, it's not. But boy, is it coming.
0: And it's looking good. Yeah, I was in there Sunday. I went in there and uh, just celebrated just just tears and laughs and everything the walls are up inside so you can tell the form of it now and that's really exciting so yeah
1: so just remember guys august rush in the building in
0: the building for reals
1: be there or be rectangular
0: (laughs) yeah so we uh we've had a pretty busy day and uh Probably our context right now is, is taking hold and letting go at the same time where there's so much he's doing that we're just taking hold of. Like the beauty of it and that he said it and, and that we got to carry it and are now seeing it. And then we have our, our oldest that is still at home. So she's she's the middle. She's uh, the thermometer she's a thermostat (laughs) we don't want her to be the thermometer she's the thermostat of our family yes but our popsy girl is moving to her first place um tomorrow Tomorrow. so it's a little little achy breaky but mostly celebration for her and she's gonna have some sweet roommates and uh and we get to just keep going with our dynamic duo that's left here and uh explore with them and so now we've got all kinds of movement happening here. Popsy's moving so that means her bathroom is free. So Reapy now is gonna move upstairs. She's always been downstairs but she's moving upstairs so she'll have her own bathroom and and uh I was really sad. I was probably as sad about her moving upstairs as I was Popsy moving because I I knew what this meant like her her room looks like a hobbit hole and it just I mean it we didn't make it to look like that it just does and and then of course she's very much hobbit lord of the rings and so she's got Gandalf and and all the the fellowship on her walls and that kind of thing so we know her move means there's the walls are very different the setup of the room is very different so that won't go with her so you know she was like kind of leading me through my my grieving and then and then we had this moment where we're like wait we can do whatever we want with that room (laughs) and so she walks in and uh, we've got a catalog I may have shared this another day but we've got a catalog and we're planning what we're gonna do and she comes in what are you guys doing And we're like Oh, we can't tell you. We can't. We can't talk about it with you in here. You'll be so sad. <laughs> so, anyway, lots of furniture moving, and not even sure what that all looks like yet. Um, but even as we are walking through that and celebrating, just um, our girls growing. We've got a fitting room that starts on Saturday, which we're very, very excited about and looking forward to. So. Going to
1: be amazing, mm-hmm. as always. Well, we know Papa is preparing us for many things right now, and transition is just one of them. Um, So many things are birthing, and um, I think one of those is the royal destiny of the sons and daughters, and Papa had some late night encounters with us. Of course, not always late night for us. For me, it was like 3.20 in the morning, so that's not late night, but... Um, it might be to you, um, so anyway, God was talking and um, said some pretty profound things so we're we 're looking at the picture that he 's painted for us, and one of the things that was really on his heart this morning was um, royalty stepping into uh, the um, the place as um, as those that bring the Dominion of love to the world, which is not something that we force upon people, but it 's something that we present to the world uh, we present to all of creation uh, so we 're not we 're not taking choice away, but we 're giving a choice that um, that can be more and more obvious for people to choose and so, as sons and daughters who are maturing in their relationship with God and in responsibilities that he is giving to us that we can handle, that we produce good fruit with, and then more responsibilities uh, feel like there is a real threshold that we're crossing right now and that he is giving us some of that roadmap. And we know that it's early, so there's, there's a lot that we're going to grow into with this. But, of course, he started out with a couple of, of, of reminders So, again, things we've talked about many times. And, of course, the one we can't miss, we've said over and over again, is um, he said, remember to watch out for idols. Uh, But this morning he said, you know, things are not idols. But how we relate to certain things can be idolatry. Mm -hmm. And so, um, when um, even though there are some things that are nearly impossible to interact with and it not be idolatry. It's not that the thing is the idol, it's our interaction that makes it idolatry. (coughs) And so we're always on the lookout for how we interact with the world around us, remembering that we want God to be our source. And when God is our source, then he can and will um, bring to us everything that we need And we never have to take, we never become addicted, uh, we never find something that replaces intimacy with him, but something that we are intimate with through him. And uh, so that was the first thing he said. The second thing that he said was, he said, remember to watch your words. Remember uh, the words that come out of your mouth and to be a steward of those and that it's better to pause before speaking than to release something that comes not from your heart of love, our hearts of love. And that really pierced me because I know how easy it is for all of us to need to process things. And sometimes we process verbally. And when we do that, we can say things that we don't mean or things that we don't necessarily believe or maybe even aren't true, but we're saying them just to process them. But when we step into the royal authority of maturing sons and daughters of God through Christ Jesus, we are stepping into an authority of speech so that life and death certainly are in the tongue. And when we say things with our mouth, that um that are not life-giving that it really has a enormous impact on creation. And so he the second thing he said was this be accountable for your words, be stewards of your words. And then the other thing he said that was very very cool. Um but it's still early so I'm looking forward to seeing how he opens this up, but he said you we need the the sons and daughters of god need the resurrection of jesus inside of us so that the resurrection of jesus is occurring inside of the bride inside of his people his children and if we think about jesus's resurrection he resurrected um and he appeared on earth and then he rose to heaven but if we can see Jesus resurrected inside of us, then there's something we have access to and we want to have access to the fullness of it. And it is the character of the King. It is the love of the King. It is the glory of the King. It is the fullness of who Jesus is today. We have access to today as well. And that might fly in the face of, well, gosh, we haven't died yet. There hasn't been a day of judgment yet. We haven't had a wedding yet, for crying out loud. But because we have entered into that betrothal covenant and um, there's no time in heaven, but once we chose it on earth, it now is so in heaven, that means that, yes, the consummation hasn't taken place yet, but we have access to that covenant now. And so our king that we're becoming one with is resurrecting inside of us we are becoming his character it seemed like what what papa was saying this is almost like a a new dimension to what he said before if you will remember god is love and the attributes of love are the attributes of god and so god is patient god is kind god always trusts god always hopes god never fails and, uh, and when we take 1 Corinthians 13 and we cross-reference it to God as love, we see a fullness of who God is. But the same thing, who is Jesus? Jesus is all of those things too. And when Jesus resurrects inside of us, we're able to walk in the fullness of royalty far above and beyond anything we've seen or known on earth. And that is God's heart. Let it be all of ours that we can walk in the resurrection of Jesus inside of us, that Jesus' resurrection is inside of us. And I was very encouraged by that this morning.
0: That is encouraging. Okay. Um, for me, and, and I, I know I just have some connector puzzle pieces, um, I was going to the tent on Sunday, so you know we've been talking about this over the past weeks. Um, this, this thing we've entered into called Tinted where we're each spending time in the tent and we're we're praying for sure but we're also just giving him opportunity to to meet us and to experience each other and so I was driving and and uh I go, you know, before the sun rises and uh it's it's I usually get to see the sunrise as I'm going and then see the fullness of it once I'm at Araba. But I was driving and the sun was rising and it was just ruddy and red i mean it was just as red as could be and uh so i just i really took that in to the to the tinted time with me and it was that way again this morning so i don't know if i've seen it you know continue in that way but so i was just in the tent and i was kind of writing about what you know what that meant just just writing some poems cuz i love them. And, uh, so I wrote that one. And then I, I just wrote one about something. I was just kind of walking with him, um, about and through. And so I kind of came to the end of it just in this complete gratefulness, just who he is and how, how long, like he's been enacting things for us since long before we were here. And like, what all he has moved and hearts he's moved and creation he's touched and, and, and all these things responding to him for any given moment to occur for us to be able to enter into it or not. And I was just really celebrating that. And I, I just got to this place of such gratefulness for everything we get to walk through because you know, he, he's not, he doesn't invite us into things or, you know, call us into things um, with so that we can come out saying we survived. He does it so that as we come and we're looking at it from the other side, we can proclaim that we were sustained, like we we more than survived. We were sustained, and that that's been a word he's talked about for a while, and we talked about it last week. Are we going to be maintained, demand to be maintained, or are we willing to be sustained? And what does that look like? So that's a familiar word to me, sustain, but, you know, he'll often just take me to aspects of a word that I haven't seen before. And so I was just looking at the word sustain, looking back in, in my journal and um, just different things and just you know, knowing sustained means you, you can continue for an extended period of time without interruption. You know, that's a basic meaning of sustain. Um, but also it means to be supported. Um, but another thing it means is to be continually blessed. So when you are sustained, you are, you're just in this process of being continually, continuously blessed as you are continuing, and uh, so as I'm looking at it, he he just takes me to a story, just a reference of where that word was used in Scripture, so though I've been in the New Testament now uh, for quite a while, and uh, it was funny, last week we actually did two podcasts, and <laughs> the first one got erased, so we got to do a second one, it was totally different, uh, but the first one was all this New Testament thing he was talking to me about, but got to revisit the Old Testament for a bit. And so he took me to 1 Kings 17, and this is the story of Elijah and uh, the widow, the woman who, um, that he encounters at the town gate. So the the context, the scenario here is that the land is in drought, and Um, the, so Elijah is being kind of sustained from this brook, but even it dries up now, uh, because there's been no rain. And so the Lord tells him to go, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now, one thing I love is he, there's drought, but he has instructed this widow to supply him with food. So, This means the Lord has already gone to this woman and spoken to her and given her these instructions. We don't know how long ago. We don't know how long He came and He said, I'm going to send a man and you're going to sustain him. But that is the word the Lord used. To both of them was sustain. So He comes to the town gate and one version more um, modern versions say, a widow was there gathering sticks. But I really want to highlight this because just with what um, Pa was saying about the kings and queens, you know, I think we always have that choice before us, don't we, of what kind of king or what kind of royal person, what kind of queen will be, uh, just like what kind of priest will be, what, what our priesthood will look like. And so we always have that choice of are we going to come and demand to be taken care of because we're royal or are we going to serve? Are we going to, um, do as it says in Genesis, subdue the earth by actually walking the earth, actually walking among, um, our community, uh, the place where we are and learning from it and seeing greater ways to serve, greater ways to be part. So, um, so this is the setup. So the widow has been told, and Elijah has now been told. And like I said, we don't know how long the widow knew. Um, but it says she was gathering sticks, but this is significant. When you read this story in the original text, it says that she was gathering two sticks. Now this is important for a, a reason. Um, the difference between her collecting a bunch of sticks to create a fire to make bread on later or the fact that she was gathering two sticks. So it matters because when Jerusalem, you know, when things were separated for Jerusalem, there was this pagan ritual that was established, and it was kind of a mimic of the showbread of the temple and it, this was specifically adopted by the Northern Kingdom. So what they would do was they would tie a cloth to two sticks and they'd put two pieces of bread on the cloth. And a couple, it was generally a couple, would carry to the altar this bread and they would eat the bread with their God, whatever God that was. And it was their offering. So here's this widow and she's waiting for this man to come. And it seems, as you read the story, that she got tired of waiting. And she decided to take matters into her own hands. She decided to enact what only God could enable and to do it without Him. And I think as I read the stories of kings and um, kingdoms, that is always the downfall every single time. And so here she is, and she's got these two sticks and she's going to prepare this, this offering. Now she may have been going to, um, offer it to God, capital God, capital G God. But it's interesting because in the story she says, um, to Elijah, she, she specifically calls God his God, not her God. And so it's like she's come to a place of waiting where he's just not going to be her God anymore. So he, you know, he's come to the town gate. He sees this gathering of sticks. Elijah, being who he is, is going to know exactly what she's doing. Like he knows this misstep she's about to take. And this just amazes me because that's how far Papa goes. That's how far he goes to keep us on path. it you know we know he'll keep our path straight, and we get to choose if we let him keep our path straight or not so so Elijah comes and he asks her to bring him a little water in a jar, not understanding they're in drought, so it takes a very aggressive act to get water at this point at the you know everybody's there trying to get the water that there is so Now, as she's going to get it, and his words to her, would you go and fetch me some water? And that word, lakaf, is the one that he used. And so, so here she is in the midst of her suffering, and he asks her to help because she's already been instructed to do so. So he's here to help her fulfill the covenant that she has said yes to. So... Um, that word, Lakoth, it comes from Lamed and Koth, and it was used three times. And what that word represents is your cup being filled over and over by heaven. And so this whole time, he's just demonstrating something to her. And so, and even the town that they're in, Zarephath, means refining gold it is a place where gold is refined and gold being such an an important and essential element in things of the kingdom you know of those times was very significant so he asks her would you go fetch me go bring me what is going to sustain me bring me the cup that is going to continuously flow because only god could fill it now he's taking all this responsibility off of her and, and just assigning it where it belongs to God. God's the one that's going to do that. She's just the cup. You know, she just gets to be the cup. So he takes every bit of burden off of her, even though it sounds like he's giving her, you know, this is the widow. Shouldn't he be helping her? You know, and that kind of thing. But he's taking the burden off and he says, oh, yeah, bring me, bring me a piece of bread, please. So this is when she says, as surely as your God lives, not her God, his God, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. So I'm gathering two sticks to take home, make a meal for myself and my son that we might eat it and die. (laughs) So this could either be the most melodramatic moment in history or it's very significant. So something important about the making of bread then, when she's talking about this flour in a jar and olive oil, so they would mix the flour with olive oil and with frankincense. And frankincense is one of the oils that a king would be anointed with when he was recognized. And so you have just all these incredible things within this story. I can't even pull them all out, so I hope you'll read it. And, and just see what all is there. So she's, she's got this invitation to recognize royalty, not just recognize it, but be it, you know, be royalty. So she goes and she says that, um, you know, we're going to eat this and then we'll die. So this is important that she says this word die because we can just think, oh, this is their last meal. But die can mean two things. It's either is death, or um, which is M-O-T-H for death, or Nathan, which means to give. So she's got a choice even in this. We're just going to go and stop. We're not going to. I'm not believing another thing. I'm not entering into this. I'm not even going to see the miracle. <laughs> like, you're here, here. And what was said was that if she would give this bread to him, they would they would have bread, like, and Elijah tells her, we will have bread, come from this, until water comes, you know, and so, she's got a choice, is she just gonna lay down, and not participate in this story, or is she gonna yield, is she going to give her life for this story, and so, she goes home, and, uh, And and Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Just do do as you have said, but make a small loaf for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. Now what I love about this is clearly she probably had enough for two loaves. She was going to make one for her and one for her son. But now Elijah's asked for one of them. She no longer has the bread for the ritual she was going to do. It's just the best thing ever, like to fulfill God's covenant, to fulfill the word he spoke over her. She can't do this any longer, but it was a choice. She had to make that choice to give that bread to Elijah or to go ahead and do that, that pagan practice, because isn't it really pagan anytime we try to do things apart from God and, and don't let that word be so dastardly, but it's like somebody's got to be a God you know, there has to be a God in this and it's going to be us or it's going to be him. So he, even in his invitation, he's like, there's something better. You don't have to go and do this. You can fulfill the word of the Lord. So, um, so then he, he says the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run out until the day that the Lord's sin rained on the land. So she went away and she did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and her family. Uh, the flour jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run out, keeping the word the Lord spoke to Elijah. And uh, I just, I think this is so significant. We can so often, right in that moment where the oil of royalty is coming, like it's coming as a sustenance for us in our very bread. Like, do you ever think of that? Like in our daily bread, the Lord's like, you're royal. You know, you are the ones, you're the ambassador, you're the authority, you're the one that is going to see this fulfilled. And we even, we just ingest that. We take it into the entirety of our being, just like that resurrection happening within us. And... um so that's her invitation and we always have that because one of the things that sustain means is to give and receive so you can give again to be sustained means to give to receive to give to receive to just have this amazing dance that we're doing but when we're taking when we're tempted to take those matters into our own hands and and something else to I feel like this widow, she couldn't identify with her community. They were all in drought. Like, all of them were in drought. And probably all of them were struggling even with their bread, with food. And it says later in the story, which is another awesome part, but I'm not going to get to that. But um, her son gets sick. But it says that the woman who owned the house, that... Elijah was staying in, her son had become ill. So she actually, though she was a widow, she was a homeowner. Something had occurred where she was still able to own that home. She hadn't lost that inheritance. She hadn't lost this. Um, And because of that, she was able to provide sanctuary for someone else. And so um, in this, it's possible she didn't identify with the community that she was in. And she's got this invitation before to be a prophet of his goodness. And you know that's that's the beauty of the prophets is they didn't ever remove themselves from the community they were in. They remained in those communities and um, part of the solution and the um, the salvation of those communities. they remain there. So she's kind of separated herself from the community in a sense, because to her, it's only her that's walking through this right now, you know, and God is about her remembering that he is her God, so she can truly prophesy that he sustained her, so later her son is ill, Elijah lays on him three times, and and she says, now I believe you, you know, and all of us we all have the invitation to be the prophets of his goodness to say he's my god sustained me not your god sustained me you may start there but my god my god sustained me and fed me bread that was that was filled with my identity it it gave me all that i needed for that day i am continuously blessed on this journey And uh, so to be sustained, uh, you know, it was used three times in this story. And um, so I just see that as just being blessed three times and meaning until we see Papa in his goodness, until we see Jesus in his goodness, and until we see El Shaddai in goodness, there's not this complete picture. We haven't been fully sustained until we've allowed the fullness of God, the fullness of the Lord to sustain us and continue us on our journey without interruption. And so many times we we think we're interrupted or I was doing that. I am I am the worst at this. So I'm just going to acknowledge that right now is oh, I was interrupted and I can't really be interrupted if he is sustaining me. I get to continue on without interruption. Doesn't matter what happens around me. His purpose for me can't be interrupted unless I let it. So, Amen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So beautiful, baby. Well, thanks.
1: <laughs> Made me hungry for bread. <laughs>
0: okay. I don't think that's what we're having for dinner, but. Oh, well, we'll do better. Yeah. So, well, yay. Well, thank you all who have been just sending us comments. And encouragements on the podcast, it really is a blessing to us. Once more, I know we have said it, but as we just take some risks with him and try uh, some different things, um, you know, we're getting to have this time of, of fellowship and and feast together on Tuesday nights, and uh, and just um, continuing our communion. And uh, it's it's been amazing to see and uh and we've had people coming that um we haven't gotten to meet before and just share just share our food together and then I uh, would get to share bread as we do the podcast but we are we're really grateful for the texts and the emails and things that we get just telling us that it, it was right where you were or it impacted you or you needed that whatever it was so we're we're grateful um when he feeds us and we get to multiply it and put it on the table as well so
1: so please write us often we yes. love hearing from you and everybody have a marvelous week until next time
0: yes love you
1: love you